Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante, along with Jeff Byers, ready to talk some Penn State football. The Nittany Lions are on their way to the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And guess what, Jeff? If you want to attend the game, that's right. If you want to go to a Penn State Bowl game, this would be a great one to go to. They play Ole Miss, an SEC team. I'm going to help you out. Collegiate athletic travel can handle all your travel plans, whether you're driving to the game or need to fly down. They've got a plan for you. They could help you out, take care of all those details. They'll make it a great trip to Atlanta for you for the Peach Bowl. If you would like to go to this game, here's the way to do it. Just check in with Collegiate Athletic Travel either at their website, athletictravel.com, or call 800-788-4414. I traveled with them for a game. It was one of the great experiences I had. Last year, Jeff, I went with them for the Auburn game. What a great time. They do know how to do it right, Jim. And and I tell you, this, I think, is going to be a really fun bowl game. I I know the Peach Bowl, it was like uh, giddy with excitement over Penn State being able to go there. And listen, I think it's a really neat opportunity for Penn State, both from a historic standpoint, as we talked about, having a chance to win all six of the New Year's Six Bowl games and being the only program to do that. Uh, And then, yeah, just getting to the Peach Bowl for the first time. So, an historic opportunity, and uh, I agree, you cannot go wrong uh, with Collegiate Athletic Tours uh, being your uh, trip provider. Yeah, they they do a wonderful job, and and Jeff, it's a much better opponent than we were so afraid of. We thought it might be that Group of Five team. In fact. The thought all along all week was it's going to be Tulane. Tulane got beat by SMU. Then it turns out Liberty is the group of five team that made it to this game. And all indications were that's who they were going to play. I don't think anyone wanted that. They end up getting Ole Miss, though. Jeff, I think it's a fantastic matchup. How about you? See, I'm a little disappointed, Jim, because I I like Liberty. I, and I don't know why Penn State fans don't want Liberty. I don't understand it, Jim. It's one of the founding principles of this country. How are Penn State fans not wanting Liberty? It makes no sense to me. But and, yeah, but and remember, uh, Jeff, it's like that old saying from the Revol- give me Liberty or give me Ole Miss. Exactly right. That's so Ole Miss it is. We'll take it. No, I think it's a great matchup. I think it's, uh, at least on paper, a very even matchup. I think it's a fun matchup in terms of offensive and defensive uh, perspectives with both schools. I think the coaching matchup is really intriguing uh, with Lane Kiffin and James Franklin. I think that is a terrific uh, storyline, both on the local fronts for both Ole Miss and Penn State. Uh, fans and reporters, but also certainly from the national perspective. And yeah, I just think this is a, a fun, intriguing game. 
uh, and a really neat opportunity for Penn State to close out uh, its season. I, uh, you know, all things considered, I think this is uh, about as good of a situation as you could have hoped for if you're a Penn State fan. Have you seen the spread yet for the game? I have not. Okay, I I have. I'm going to challenge you, Jeff. Give me what you think the spread will be or is. I would, I, I would think it would be. I would have Penn State as the favorite, and I but I would have it at uh, maybe three, three and a half. Penn State minus one and a half. Okay, that's Which, reasonable to me. Yeah, uh, you were what a point or two off. That's yeah. it. And I think Penn State as a slight favorite makes sense. And what it says, though, is that's a competitive game. And, you know, that's what I think you want. I also, I think a lot of people would have loved, you know, the big name. Uh, you know, there was talk before the before this weekend, could they have gotten Alabama or Texas? Well, no, they can't. But to get a Southeast Conference team, I, I thought was really good and makes this really interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's I, I think it is a great situation for Penn State because uh, it is an opponent that I think gets you intrigued. I think again the the matchup itself with the way the two teams have played through the season I think is an interesting one. And yeah, I think it should be a very competitive game. I'd, I'd be surprised if it wasn't a game that wasn't uh, decided until late into the fourth quarter, which is obviously, I think, good for the TV folks and the bowl folks, but I think also, you know, makes it fun for the fans and, and for that matter, for the players. You want a game that uh, gets you intrigued and fired up, and I think this does do that uh, for both of these teams. I got to imagine Ole Miss fans are pretty excited about getting an opportunity to take on Penn State as well. Yeah, I got to think that's the case here. Both teams are probably happy with their opponent. Um, I think the fact that it's in Atlanta makes it easily accessible for the Ole Miss folks. I think it's easily accessible for Penn State folks. Atlanta is easy to fly into. I think there's a lot of Penn State folks who are in the mid-Atlantic or the south, you know, the Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina areas where it's a fairly easy drive to get to the game. I know some people, Penn State folks, who are right in Atlanta, so they're happy about that location. So I I think it's a great game, a great setup. Um, It'll be on Saturday the 30th at noon. I think that works out really well. Um, We'll get into that matchup, I'm sure, Jeff, over the next couple weeks. Um, I did want to ask you, though, a little bit about the playoff selections, though. A lot of folks were rooting for chaos, uh, which would happen if Alabama beat Georgia. I think, were you one of those rooting for that chaos? I was rooting for that chaos. So you're a winner. You got the chaos. Now my question for you is, did the committee get it right? 
You know, Jim, I've been so busy. I, I didn't even see. I, I, I don't know whether they took Texas or Alabama as that, that fourth team in. You'll, you'll have to tell me. I also haven't seen what is the spread for that Michigan-Florida State uh, semifinal matchup. You'll have to feel – I've just been very busy these last couple of days, and I didn't – so I, I apologize for my ignorance. But was it Texas or Alabama that got in? And what are we thinking in this Michigan-Florida State matchup? Oh, wait, what's this? Oh, I'm being told what? <laughs> uh, so here's my problem, Jim. I, the to me, and and this has been the problem really with the college football playoffs from day one, and they've kind of been to a large degree lucky in terms of the way the seasons have ended. And uh, you know, there's been some debate certainly, but not to the degree that this one causes. My problem is it is this. I think that it needs to be a criteria-based and rewarding teams for their accomplishments during the season. What it is, clearly, this year is we want what we think are the best four teams and the most intriguing matchups. So with what they want, do I think they have the four best teams in the country Right now, probably Georgia probably could make the argument that that they are one of them too. Uh, but I think they probably got that right. My problem is neither Texas nor Alabama uh, measures up to what Florida State did during the season. And when you get into the – well, listen, let's be real though. Florida State versus Michigan, we think Michigan – clearly wins that game. Michigan-Alabama is a much more intriguing game. I agree on paper and in all likelihood on the field that is the case, but I don't think that's the right way to go about choosing who these teams should be because all of the time we're wrong. <laughs> the the uh, you know betting odds are wrong. The public is wrong on uh, what we think is going to happen with these various matchups. And I just think Florida State earned it. You have a power five undefeated conference champion, and there's only three of those in the country. It'd be one thing if, hey, all five power five uh, conferences have an undefeated champion. We only have four spots. Obviously, one has to get left out. But you only had three. (laughs) How does one of those get left out based, again, on resume I think they deserve it. I also, I mean, can you imagine if any other sport did it this way? If the NFL, uh, well, yeah, Brock Purdy, I, the 49ers were great, but Brock Purdy got hurt a couple of weeks before the playoffs. And so while the 49ers were going to be the two seed, we think without Brock Purdy, they're unlikely to beat uh, any of the other top six teams. And so we're just going to take San Francisco and pull them out of the playoffs. There no, it would make no sense. No other sport does it this way where it's like, well, listen, it's unfortunate. And I saw, you know, Heather Dennich was on yesterday on uh, talking about this. And I, yeah, it's just unfortunate for Florida State that the circumstances are, uh, you know, their quarterback got hurt and that now they're just not the, the same team. To me, that shouldn't matter. I understand why it does. I get what the committee is doing. I just, it's why college football uh, remains the most flawed of all of the sports, in my 
my perspective, because you're you're not rewarding accomplishment. You're rewarding what you think is going to happen based on the data we have in the moment. And I just don't think you can award playoff spots in that manner. That's just me. Do you know, until probably yesterday, Jeff, I, I felt the same way that you did, uh, the way you just expressed it. And I thought there was no way that they would leave Florida State out. And I thought there was no way they should leave Florida State out. I legitimately felt that way. But watching the game yesterday and seeing Florida State play and seeing that I don't think they can be competitive, it's like saying, okay, give me liberty. They were undefeated also. But, you know, they liberty obviously doesn't belong there. And I know there's a difference between playing a Power 5 schedule and not. We are out of time. When we start quarter two, I'm going to explain, though, why I think it was the right decision. This is Jim from Keystone Sports for our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. If going to see Penn State in a bowl game is on your bucket list, I've got the solution for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel is ready to do all the planning for you. With both air and land packages available and 50 years of experience, let Collegiate Athletic Travel take care of all the details. They've got everything taken care of for a memorable trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He is Jeff. We are talking Penn State football. Before we get back into it, Jeff, just a reminder... If you're interested in going to Atlanta for the Penn State Ole Miss Peach Bowl game, check in with Collegiate Athletic Travel. This is the way to go if you're going to an away game for Penn State, especially a bowl game. They have both air and land packages. They will take very good care of you, take care of all those details. I think the worst part about the, uh, an away trip going to game is dealing with just the driving and the transportation and parking just to have that part taken care of, which they do is really well worth it. They always have different activities. They'll make your time in Atlanta well worthwhile. Check in with them at athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. All right, Jeff, when we finished up quarter one, you were telling us why Florida State deserved to be in the playoffs. I'm going to tell you why not. I do think that the injury to the quarterback, I do believe it's a legitimate reason to hold them back. And there is precedent for that. If you uh, take a look at the college uh, basketball committee, they can use injury to a player as part of their criteria for where they see the team or even making the tournament. So I think that is legitimate and it is part of what they do and part of what they take into consideration. So I think that's part of it. The other thing is 
really, if you think about it, them, if you had this Florida State team without that quarterback against Michigan, against Alabama, what do you think the point spread would be? I'll give you an idea. They are playing Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Now, one could even argue Georgia could have an argument to be in this. How much do you think Georgia is favored over Florida State by? I am guessing double digits. You would be correct. Almost two touchdowns. It's a 13-point spread. And I'm inclined to take Georgia. And there's a very good chance a lot of Georgia's team will be missing, okay, for this game. And they're still like a two-touchdown favorite. So I think we, we would conceivably have another one of those blowouts. It would be, you know, like trying to argue that Iowa should have been in the the playoffs. They would get blown out and not have a chance. That's, that is, I think, the bottom line to this. But I, I, the answer really is a 12-team playoff, Jeff. Yeah, they should really consider that, Jim. Uh, they need to take a, a long, hard look at that. <laughs> well, the thing is, they could have done that if, if they would have, you know, why did they have to wait for next year to do this? If they would have been efficient in making the changeover and making that decision, they could have had that done for this year. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> listen, the, the thing, just going back to this, though, with uh, Florida State, the yes, you're, you're right that the the line would have been substantial uh, and and it is for Georgia, Florida state, but that doesn't mean that's what the game is going to, to be. Um, you know, if, if I told you in a vacuum, all right, that, that one of the playoff teams was playing a team that was, that played 500 ball for the season and they were a two touchdown favorite to beat that team and they needed a last second miraculous pass to win it. Uh, are you putting that team in over Florida state? You're going to put a team that was supposed to win by over two touchdowns against a 500 team, not a powerhouse team, not a team that was uh, anywhere near the top 10 all season as Louisville had been. We're talking about a team that was not in sniffing distance of the top 25. You're favored by two touchdowns over, and you need a last-second miracle to pull out the win. Well, that that doesn't <laughs> – the fact was that – and, I, you know, I get it. It's a rivalry game and all of that, but, I mean, come on. Uh, th- that's – yes, I think Florida State would be a heavy underdog. And, yes, do I think Florida State would get blown out? Yep, but – Listen, I thought, you know, last year, I thought Georgia was going to hammer TCU, and Georgia hammered TCU. So because we think the game's going to be a blowout, oh, sorry, TCU, we know you won the semifinal game, but we don't think this is going to be nearly as intriguing of a game as if Michigan was in there. So sorry about that. I mean, at, at some point, the results have to matter, don't they? You had an undefeated Power Five conference champion. There were three of them. There's four spots in the playoffs. How is that team being left out? It makes no sense to me. I, you know, I, I get it. And I thought even uh, Mike Norvell put out a release uh, with comments where he very strongly worded comments saying that he thought they deserved to be in. 
And and I get that. Should a and they're gonna next season, Jeff, and maybe you and I have even talked about this. When they expand the playoffs to 12 teams, we know the Southeast Conference is gonna be even stronger getting Texas and Oklahoma. The Big Ten is gonna be stronger even more so by adding Washington and Oregon and USC. So we're going to, the argument is going to come up more often than you are going to have two loss Big Ten teams. I'm sorry, two loss ACC teams and two loss Big 12 teams versus, say, a three loss uh, Big Ten or Southeast Conference team or two loss and one loss. Yeah. And they are going to, take the team with one more loss who comes from the Big Ten or the Southeast Conference, that is going to happen, and it's going to have to happen to make any sense at all. Because if you're in a league with Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Texas and Oklahoma, you're going to lose a whole – you're going to have good teams with multiple losses versus – the ACC teams. And I think that's what you had with Florida State. You did not have, with Florida State, a quality win that matched up with Alabama beat a Georgia. A Texas team beat an Alabama. Now, they both had a loss, but they both had a better win than Florida State did. And how much does that weigh into this? Yeah, I just, I, I mean, obviously, I think it, it did weigh in, at least in the playoff committee's mind, uh, significantly. Although, at the end of the day, I think it was Florida State's, I think if Florida State has its starting quarterback, they're in, uh, with everything else yes. being exactly the same. And, you know, I guess a, a couple of things. My, my question would be, if you thought Florida State was the better team than Alabama before the conference championship games. And presumably they did since Florida State was fourth and Alabama was eighth. (laughs) So I'm presuming that they felt pretty confident that Florida State was in a better position. I get Alabama's win over Georgia. I do. But you're telling me that based off of that one win, that erases, again, Alabama got clobbered by Texas at home. It wasn't like that was a a last-second heroic throw on a fourth down uh, for Texas to win it. Like, Texas went into Tuscaloosa and won that game handily. I mean, I I think the 10 points is even a little deceiving in terms of, uh, you know, how much better uh, they were that day. My contention is Florida State being undefeated. And, yeah, I'm with you on the, the schedule not being as great. And... But Alabama, it was one great game against Georgia. I'll give you that. But again, needed the last second play to beat a six and six Auburn team. Um, they uh, struggled against South Florida. I get it was early in the season. Uh, they struggled to beat Texas A and M, a Texas A and M team that uh, was lousy this year. I mean, this is not. To me, it'd be one thing if you looked at Alabama and it's like, man, they had one hiccup and it was a really close game. It was home. They got controlled. They had several other games that you looked at. 
and listen, I get it. They also had some games where they looked terrific. The win over LSU uh, when they clobbered uh, Kentucky, and then obviously the, the Georgia win. But consistently, they didn't exactly overwhelm you. Like, I, I'm not sitting here saying to myself, boy, it would have been outrageous if they left Alabama out. Uh, I think Alabama, again, is very good. Obviously, it was a terrific win over Georgia. But to me, undefeated Power 5 conference team, one of three, that team needs to be in uh, if there's a four-team playoff. Um, And to me, because of Texas beating Alabama, and I get, you know, the committee was in a no-win situation. I understand that. There are five and maybe even six truly deserving teams to be in here, and there's only four spots. But I just think, you know, for, for a sport that keeps uh, pounding the table on every game matters, the, Florida State went out and won every game. I, if every game matters, <laughs> and that's the beauty of college football, that you've got to win every week, it's all on the line, how can you not reward a team that goes out and does that? I, I You know what? If that were Penn State, oh. I would be so ticked off. Yes. And for those of us who are the old timers who remember way back, you know, the 68, 69, 73, a little more up to date, if we remember 94 and undefeated, uh, I, I get it. You know, I get the way Florida State, the coach, the players feel, the fans, how they feel. I, I really do. And you know, the justification for it, I think it's it's the couple things. It's not just the strength of schedule, which Florida State schedule does not compare. It, it's not just that the quarterback is out, but that's, I think it's all of those things adding up. And the fact is, this is an unusual year that you have this many one-loss teams who could argue that they deserve to be in that in the playoffs. So that's, you know, my, my take on it. And believe me, I changed my mind over the last 24 hours or so, Jeff. All right. When we come back, you are in for Dustin this week. And with Dustin, I have a feature we call salty Jim. I'm going (laughs) to share that with you when we come back, Jeff. This is Jim from Keystone Sports for our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. If going to see Penn State in a bowl game is on your bucket list, I've got the solution for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel is ready to do all the planning for you. With both air and land packages available and 50 years of experience, let Collegiate Athletic Travel take care of all the details. They've got everything taken care of for a memorable trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He is Jeff. It's quarter number three of our show. And before we get into Salty Jim, which I will share with you, Jeff, Just a reminder, if you are looking forward to going to the Penn State Ole Miss Peach Bowl game, 
I got help for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel, they could help you out with the trip. They've got air packages. They've got land packages. But they will take care of all the planning for you, the hotel, all the, the bus over to the stadium, all of those things they will take care of for you. It makes the whole trip that much easier, that much better. And if you want to join us at with Collegiate Athletic Travel going to the Peach Bowl, just check them out at athletictravel.com. Or better yet, even give a call 800-788-4414. And Jeff, as I mentioned to you earlier, you are subbing in for Dustin today. And we occasionally, not always, we do a segment what we bring out Salty Jim. <laughs> and what Salty Jim is, it's my excuse to complain about stuff, okay, that I don't like. Now, you and I have known each other for a while, and I know that is stunning to you that I might complain about things, but it's true. I try to limit it, but sometimes it comes out. So, are you ready for a little salty gym? I think I have prepared myself for it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Brace yourself. Here it comes. Typically, what I find, Jeff, is what brings out salty gym is television, the media in general. That's what gets me salty, okay? There are mm -hmm. things that they do. I don't get it. It upsets me, and I need to share it with you. First off, they started on Sunday at noon, the playoff show, okay? This goes on for four hours, okay? And they announced the uh, playoff teams 30 minutes into the show at 12.30. They then make you wait until 2.30 to announce the New Year's Six Bowls. Can you give me a legitimate reason why? And they do it every year. They do it every year. Why do they have to wait two and a half hours to announce that? Jim, you got to build the suspense. I mean, it's all about the drama. They got to give us a reason to stay tuned. They got to keep the commercials rolling in, keep that revenue in. And it just, the anticipation <laughs> builds and builds. It's so exciting, Jim. Uh, no, there's no good reason. I, I can't give you a doggone thing. <laughs> It is the worst two and a half hours of television ever, <laughs> ever, Jeff. And ESPN hits a lot of lows. So for this to be the worst thing they do, I, it means it, 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 it's scraping the bottom of the barrel. And it happens every year. And every year I get ticked off about it. And this year was no exception. Okay. I'm going to continue down that line from that show. And I'm going to continue to tell you why it's the worst. And maybe I missed something. Maybe this is out there. But let me ask you this question. The New Year's Six Bowl games, they, there was Fiesta, Cotton, and Peach Bowl. And each one of those was an at-large game. We know the Orange Bowl was a little different. You could figure out who was going to go to that game. They weren't at-large bids. Do you know how they decided which teams went where? I do not. Neither do I, Jeff. So, if I had the head of the college football playoff committee on, and I'm interviewing him after this announcement was made, this is 
two and a half hours later than the announcement for the uh, who made the uh, the playoffs. This is the New Year's Six. Do you not think that should be a question for them? Hey, by the way, how did Penn State end up against Ole Miss? Now, I'm happy that's who the they're playing against. But don't you think that would be the first question? How did you dis- – if I'm an Oregon fan, I want to know why I'm stuck playing Liberty. I want to know how that happened. The question wasn't even asked. Yeah, I and – that goes back to, I mean, yes, from a journalistic standpoint, that's ridiculous. But also just the transparency of the, the entire uh, process. And I think that's still part of the frustration here uh, for many is that it does not seem like there is a clear-cut set of criteria. Uh, and to me, if you're going to have this process play out, it largely needs to be uh, just an objective analysis, like not having uh, the subjectivity that it clearly has coming into play. Uh, But yeah, no, I'm fascinated to know, yes, how they determined the matchups and who got uh, the, the games that they got. Uh, and yeah, why that isn't asked, uh, let alone answered is added to the long list of things that I think are very, very frustrating about college football and about the uh, college football playoff format. Okay. So being salty, Jim, on these topics so far, I'm two for two, right? Yes. Okay. I've got one more for you. One more salty, Jim. So Sunday morning... I get up. I'm still trying to figure out where Penn State's going. I'm wondering if there's a college football show on. Well, ESPN has already switched over to the NFL on Sunday morning. That's fine. Let me see if there's anything else on. Well, on the Big Ten network, they are, it's the Big Ten football show or whatever they're calling it. I'm thinking, okay, this might give me some more information, some, some useful information. Now, it turns out it was a repeat of their show from after the Michigan-Iowa game, okay? It was post-game from them. They're replaying it, which is fine. So it's all Michigan-oriented. So they're interviewing the Michigan coach, the Michigan players. What is the biggest story going on with Michigan this year? It's the cheating story, okay? You've got the coach of Michigan. You're talking to him. Don't you think that's at least relevant? Now, not only do they not say, hey, Coach Harbaugh, why are you such a cheater? (laughs) Okay, I'm all right if they don't ask it that way. But in referring to it, it was always called the distractions that you had this year. The distractions. No, no. No, you were under investigation for a cheating scandal. That's what it was. Not a distraction, Jeff. It was a cheating scandal. And Why actually, could... a couple of them <laughs> over the course of the season. Yes, exactly. So, is there? I'm not a professional journalist, Jeff, but, but. I think you should at least, you know, mention it, what it exactly was. Even if you're not going to drill down and, you know, try to get answers from them, 
at least call it what it is. Well, it would be nice if the professional journalists would play them on TV. It would be what would be nice there. So, yeah, it. I don't know. It, it, it's it's very. It, it is a frustrating situation. And listen, I think Jim Harbaugh has you know his pat answers. I mean, I think you can ask him about it in a respectful way, and I think he can give you an answer that uh, doesn't tell you anything, but uh, you know covers it as as in the way he wants to. But to not ask it. Um, when it is, you're right, these stories surrounding Michigan on the, the national front. And listen, I, you know, to Jim Harbaugh's credit, I guess, and Michigan's credit, I mean, they have used it to, to rally that locker room. There's no question uh, that those guys are playing for one another and they are a, a very tight team. And whether you, you love them, hate them, or anything in between, I mean, they are a very formidable team. And I, I think uh, – I do think these playoff matchups are, are really intriguing. Uh, but I actually like Michigan, and it breaks my heart to say it, but I, I like Michigan's chances of winning uh, the national title this year. I just – I think that team is really locked in and dialed in on, on what it is they're trying to accomplish. Uh, and I think they're using all of the uh, distractions, a.k.a. the cheating scandal, uh, to unite them even further. And, and you know what, Jeff? I, I could separate the two things, but just if you're going to refer to it, call it what it is. So yes. I'm going to I'm going to claim that you are in agreement with me. So salty, Jim, you're good with me on three out of three items. Three for three. Yep. Okay. I I will take the win. Now, with all that said, Jeff, I love the playoff lineup uh, this year. I love Michigan-Alabama, and I also think Texas-Washington's going to be a great game also. I do, too. I, I think there's – I mean, there's as always, there's going to be a lot of great storylines, but uh, Sarkeesian is a fantastic storyline for that Washington-Texas game. Uh, you know, Michigan-Alabama is going to be a fascinating matchup. Um, you know, two quarterbacks that uh, – you know, the, the veteran in McCarthy and Milrow who – obviously completely turned his season around and, you know, nearly, well, did lose his job for a, for a short while there at the beginning of the season. And now is uh, not only the reason Alabama, he is the reason Alabama is winning. It's not that he's uh, not losing games for them. It is that he is the reason they are winning games. I mean, it it is an amazing story. Um, And yeah, it does feel again, at the end of the day, I do think they have, a couple of fantastic, intriguing matchups. Uh, and however those two games turn out, I think they're going to end up with a uh, very fascinating national title game. I've often felt, you know, Nick Saban gets the most talent. And he's still with this, if you look at the recruiting rankings, very talented team. But if you base this on where they were at the start of the season and the issues they had at quarterback, and where they are now, you could argue this may be his best coaching job. I don't think there's much doubt about that, Jim. I And, you know, Milrose, obviously part of that. But I'm telling you, that offensive line, Jim, I, I watched that Texas game, and the Alabama offensive line that uh, played against Georgia is not the O-line in any way, shape, or form uh, that played against Texas. And, and 
you know, that transformation has been remarkable to watch for Alabama. And our own offensive lineman, Landon, said the exact same thing, Jeff, after seeing them play against Georgia. Unfortunately, that is it. We are out of time. I took too much time complaining by being salty, Jim, here, Jeff. But that is it. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jim from Keystone Sports for our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. If going to see Penn State in a bowl game is on your bucket list, I've got the solution for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel is ready to do all the planning for you. With both air and land packages available and 50 years of experience, let Collegiate Athletic Travel take care of all the details. They've got everything taken care of for a memorable trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante and with our special guest from ForTheBloggy.com, it's Shane Paul. Shane, you're making your return to our show. It's been too long. Welcome back, my friend. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, I know we had we had some technical difficulties this morning. Uh, I am now recording on the phone, so I hope this uh, this picture is good for everybody. You guys can hear me all right, but great to be back. It is working. Everything seems good. We've got you loud and clear, Shane. Let's get going. Reason why we're having you on. Uh, you did a new article just put up on ForTheBloggy.com. That's ForTheBloggy.com, and I recommend you guys uh, bookmark it. Great site with some great articles like the one that Shane just put up, and it's titled, What Does New Offensive Coordinator Andy Kotelnicki Need to Fix with the uh, Penn State Offense? Well, just quickly in general, Shane, what do they need to fix? Yeah, well... So it is Kotelnicki, right? That's the pronunciation we're running with? That's what we're going with. Until we get corrected, that's what we're going with. Yeah. So I think uh, above all else, um, what sticks out is the explosive plays. Um, You know, Nick Singleton and and Katron Allen were ripping off 75, 80-yard runs uh, a year ago, and those kind of seemed to diminish. Um, I mentioned in the article it's kind of easy to scream and shout and grab the pitchforks for, you know, more explosive plays. Um, but I'm sure we'll get into it. There's a couple small schematic things that they can change um, that can lead to that. And overall, just more uh, more yards on offense. You know, I think when you look at the averages over the last three to five years, they are down. Um, so just more offense. Well, let's start where you did in your article with something you call the quick game. Before telling us how to fix that, can you describe what it is for our listeners first? Sure. So anytime a quarterback drops back to pass, uh, contrary to popular belief, it is not referred to as a drop back pass, at least in, uh, in my world. Um, there's things called there's quick game, there's true drop back, uh, there's shot plays, there's screen plays. And, you know, yes, there, there's a ball being thrown in all those, but what kind of differentiates them is uh, a lot of times footwork and pass protection. So with quick game specifically, uh, some coaches will coach like a, a quick three. So one, two, three, hit your, hit your back foot and, and let it go. Um, Yersich does the, suff- the shuffle drop. So 
me when I'm watching games, anytime I see a shuffle drop, uh, I know they're working quick game. Uh, so that essentially means the quarterback will kind of take a shuffle. His feet and shoulders will be aligned to his target. Um, and you try to, to kind of structure these plays so that uh, as soon as the quarterback uh, sets his feet, uh, the first receiver is starting to come open. So, Well, then it also sounds like when you're getting the ball out quickly, this is what James Franklin was talking about, what he was pushing for, which is those easy, quick passes for the quarterback. And he wasn't seeing that. So it sounds like he was in agreement with you. So explain to us now. How do they fix that? Sure. So I think post-Michigan, Franklin said, we got to do a better job of of getting the quarterback in rhythm. So the philosophy of quick game should be to get the quarterback in rhythm, get them easy completions, get their confidence up, kind of get them into the flow of the game. Uh, And also, you know, there's a lot of big plays that can happen when you get the ball in in receivers and running backs, tight ends, hands early. Um, So how do they fix it? I'm not a power five offensive coordinator, but what I would do, uh, is start by adding some motion in it. Uh, I had to go back to last year to find a clip of when they added some motion to quick game. And essentially what that does is cleans up the read so much for the quarterback right before the snap. So say it could be as easy as, easy as I have a running back sidecar beside me. We send him in a tear motion out the other way. Uh, and if somebody runs with him, great. Now there's a lot of vacated space in the middle. Uh, we can throw a little spot or hitch route right there and it's kind of an easy six yards minimum um so it's kind of doing things like that that allow the read to free up immediately um, and create vacated space and also that back in motion that will also tell you right zone versus man to man a lot of times yeah yeah so if obviously if the if the mic backer runs with the uh with the running back all the way to the sideline you know he's not in zone coverage because I don't think that would make any sense, right? (laughs) Exactly. So I'm sure that would be helpful. Now, uh, you also talked about in the drop-back type, and I think we could all figure out what that means, is using an empty set, and that would assist the quarterback also. And I think that's actually what Drew Aller did a lot of when he was in high school. Explain how an empty set would help him out. Sure. So I'm a huge, huge fan of empty. I always lobby for it. Um, and I think a lot of coordinators kind of stray away from it because they don't trust their quarterback because uh, there's two open edges. You have five in pass protection and you have to rely on them to be able to make the correct uh, protection adjustments and see all the free runners. So a good measuring stick of that is how many times was Drew Aller you know, completely blindsided by a nickel off the edge or a plus one, as we say, off the edge. I can't think of an example personally. So, and another good measuring stick is how many times did he run up to the line with five seconds left on the play clock? And, you know, it looks like he might just be, you know, screaming and shouting nonsense, but a lot of times he's sliding the line one way or the other. Um, so, you know, I think he, ha- I think he has the, uh, the protection IQ um, and the pr- pressure recognition to be able to, to run empty. Um, so what advantages does it provide? it kind of forces the defense to show their hand. So there's a couple tells. Uh, the one I mentioned in the article is, you know, they have to, they have to show their pressure that, or uh, it's going to take forever for them to get home because think about it. If the nickel is lined up, you know, all the way out on the hash uh, over top of the slot receiver, if he's going to blitz, he's got to start creeping up to the line or it's going to take him, you know, five, 10 seconds to get home. Uh, and by that time, the ball should be out. 
so that that's helpful too. And what you also talked about, what I thought was particularly intriguing is once you start spreading out like that, you're obviously you're going to create some mismatches where a linebacker most likely has to cover somebody and create an obvious mismatch. Right. So the the key in empty, so empty, you're going to have three eligibles on one side or, or four, but for the most part, it's going to be three and two. The number two on the weak side, which is the slot on the two-man side, will almost always have a favorable matchup because obviously with your nickel on the field, you want to put him to the passing strength, which is going to be the three-man side. So the slot receiver on the two-man side will always have a linebacker on him or a safety, but most of the times a linebacker. Uh, and if your slot receiver can't win that matchup, then you got you got bigger problems. Um, the clip I include in the article is is Liam Clifford. I think he runs like a slot option route, uh, and the guy doesn't stand a chance. Well, by the way, I think there'll be some cynical Penn State fans who will say that the wide receivers do do have that problem. Yeah, but I would imagine uh, also we won't go too far down that yeah. path. <laughs> But let's also talk about the fact is oftentimes when you go empty and that many receivers, you will see a lot of substitution on the offense, which gives the defense time to react to that. But would it be a situation where Penn State could have an advantage in that, at least in this season, they have multiple tight ends who are very good receivers. So you could start with your a base group and even a couple of tight ends and still spread those guys out because they're capable enough. And you could do that without substituting. So you may catch the defense uh, in uh, in a disadvantageous position. Yeah. You're speaking my language. Jim. I think we should, uh, we should find a local high school and start coaching them because that's, that's exactly my philosophy. Um, they did a little bit of it but not nearly enough. I think when you have the tight ends that are capable of, of running pretty much the complete route tree, um, not going to sit here and tell you that you want, you want to be throwing the ball to Nick Singleton and, and Katron Allen all the time, but um, you know, put them on the outside and let them just run past somebody and clear it out. So, you know, definitely would like to see more of that. I know I mentioned the, the 2019 LSU Tigers in the article. That's kind of the team that did it for me. Kind of unlocked me to empty. It's just when you have a quarterback that that can you know decipher coverage and, and pressure, you're nearly unstoppable. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm in agreement with you definitely there, Shane, but I just want to point out, I think you're setting the target too low. I've been lobbying for the offensive coordinator position at Penn State <laughs> while it was open. Obviously, well. I came I came up as the runner up in it, so that, Anyway, so we won't go too far down that path. I have a couple opportunities still out there. It's never too late. If history repeats (laughs) itself, we might be having this conversation in in a couple years again. We might, but I might be taken by then. So there's (laughs) been some other conversations. Well, Let's move on. The last part you uh, talked about was something called the third-level RPOs. Again, just a quick description of what that means first before talking about how that could help out this offense. Sure. So I'm sure by now everyone's familiar with a run pass option in RPO. Um, every announcer likes to call every run and every pass that involves any sort of, of run fake in RPO. Um, but so th- there's kind of three different categories of them, at least how I, how I like to separate them. 
There's the first level. So if you're making a read off the defensive end, so Penn State does this one a lot where they'll send a tight end to the flat. Um, and if he crashes hard, then they'll pop it out to the flat. Uh, if he doesn't, then they'll run an inside zone concept. Um, and then there's a second level uh, RPOs, which I don't think Yersich ran much of those, which would kind of be if uh, if an outside linebacker fits the run, you might throw like a quick in or a quick slant uh, into his vacated area. Um, but a more popular one uh, is a third level RPO. So a lot of defenses in these two safety structures, uh, the safeties have run fitting responsibilities. So they'll have to trigger on any run action um, to their side or sometimes even away. And what that does is free up space where they were. So uh, the popular route that kind of takes advantage of this is the glance route. Um, I put a couple clips in the article, but essentially like a skinny post, uh, a bang eight, uh, whatever you want to call it. But what this does is, is force safeties to hesitate and kind of play both. Um, and I think that is where the explosive runs can come in because so many times I remember watching games this year and thinking, man, they are one hairline fracture away from, from breaking this thing down the sideline. So when you can consistently stress a safety uh, with a glance being thrown behind his eardrum, uh, you know, they're forced to, to kind of hesitate a little. And anything that would help us see a few more explosive plays from the running backs. Again, you mentioned Catron Allen, Nick Singleton with their capabilities, especially Singleton with his explosiveness. Well, Shane, let's hope that Andy Kotelnicki was watching our show and can get some help from the things that you described. Unfortunately, we're out of time for now. Thank you all for listening to the show. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Thanks, Jim. This is Jim from Keystone Sports for our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. If going to see Penn State in a bowl game is on your bucket list, I've got the solution for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel is ready to do all the planning for you. With both air and land packages available and 50 years of experience, let Collegiate Athletic Travel take care of all the details. They've got everything taken care of for a memorable trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414.